Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, conversations with a cause with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur. That's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group a welfare to work and skills provider. In each episode, we have a special guest joining SAF in discussion with journalist and broadcaster, Adrian Kibler. In this episode, Dr. Richard Fallon talks to SAF and Adrian about how technology is transforming Birmingham and the West Midlands. So let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome to Canny Conversations. These are conversations with a cause that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. And I'm sure that it will today because, Seth, we've got a guest, haven't we? We've got a lovely guest, a gentleman, a true gentleman. We're, we're honoured to have with us Dr. Richard Fallon. Um, and we're going to talk broadly uh, in, in the next little while about technology and the way that technology affects business. And uh, I couldn't really have a better person to, to talk about that than, than Richard. PhD, I think, in light, wasn't it, Richard? Yeah, um, it's called photonics. So photons, small particles of light. So electronics doing clever things with electrons. Photonics doing clever things with photons. Oh, fiendish, fiendishly clever, I hate him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a nice guy. Um, Saf, um as well, you know, involved in technology in terms of his business. And he, you know, the conversation I think we'll look at uh, as we move forward is, you know, what Richard is doing in the technological field, but also, you know, some of the practical applications of technology uh, in terms of supporting business. But what I want to do is begin by just talking about the Midland perspective, if you could, Richard, because I know you do a lot of work with the universities in in this part of the world. That's the um, English West Midlands. So very briefly, Richard, what are we good at and what are we less good at in this part of the world? Very good question. Um, the, the West Midlands, we are very, very blessed. We have world-class universities and we have numerous world-class universities. So you've got Aston, you've got University of Birmingham, you've got Coventry, you've got Warwick, you've got Wolverhampton, you've got UC, uh, BCU, Birmingham City University. There is so much amazing stuff here. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for businesses to move ahead. We've got Birmingham Tech, yeah. which is doing the IT part of technology. I have to say to people, technology isn't just IT, which is what people kind of often boil it down to, isn't it, tech? So we do have some amazing things there. What we And we've got like things like Westmoreland's 5G. Um, that's really leading the way. I know one of our members, um, Aerospace, was the first um, <laughs> manufacturer to use 5G. Hmm. And they're doing some amazing work. So I think there's a thing, though, that we've got lots of opportunities here. Hmm. I think one of the things that we've, what I know we're finding with some of our manufacturers and engineers it's like some of them it's just bringing them forward mm. uh, I, I had a call um, with one gentleman the other day very nice man very nice man from the black country who said to me nothing's changed here since 1962 please help <laughs> so, so there's a thing there about moving some things moving some things 
forward. And what I really liked about him was he was he realised that they wanted to move the business forward. It needed to change. They were kind of looking at how can we do things more efficiently, more productively. And that's what technology allows mm. you to do, doesn't it? Mm. Allows you to kind of get rid of those boring tasks, automate them, get on with the stuff that, that makes you money. I mean, we, we deal a lot with uh, food and drink manufacturers. And obviously, if you've got an orchard or you've got a cherry orchard or something, getting it picked has, has proved harder since we've moved out of the EU. You, they haven't got the workers there. So looking at robotic arms to, to pick cherries and apples. So there's mm. some amazing stuff going on. And like I said, how can we automate the boring stuff that doesn't really add value, freeing up people to do mm. the stuff they like and the fun stuff which does add value? So if you, um, your family originally came to Birmingham, um, because of the industry, um, heavy industry at the time, but I guess at that time also probably at the cutting edge of technology. I know your dad did a lot of work, worked most of his life, I think, with, with IMI. You know, when you came to Birmingham, the city was still, I guess, very much dominated by, by heavy engineering, um, very big on the automotive side. At Longbridge um, in South Birmingham, we've got the Austin Works, we've got Jaguar, who are still here in, in part. Over the years, how, how have you seen this area change in terms of, of, of business and technology? I'm impressed that you remember my, my dad worked on IMI. He was, he was at IMI Holford in Witton, and he was the first prepared a blue-collar job. Um, he did that for uh, 20, 28 years or thereabouts. Uh, that was his thing. He, he, pro- he progressed from the shop floor and became a bit of a team leader, and obviously trained to train to do that. Um, myself, I, uh, you know, my degree is, is something very simple: banking and finance. It's nothing too complicated, like 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 Richards. And that's the sector that I was in because it was a growing sector: financial services, banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pro- professional services sector was was where the where the jobs were and where the industries were. And at the time, it was all about uh, those sort of areas, really. Banking. Banking, legal, accountancy, the massive growth, growth areas. Uh, my other brothers, they were very, very similar as well in terms of you know, qualifications and sectors. Uh, so I went into, into the banking sector and, and banking was one of the areas where technology really took off in terms of becoming, becoming lean and agile and, and, uh, and changing the face of you know, that, that particular sector. Uh, in terms of even training and, and what's behind it, and you know the whole sector now is 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 completely different to the banking sector that we were. You know we had these big four or big five, and now you've got these challenger banks, and you've got you know different ways, and you know you've different ways of payment, and and it's it's really spread. And what you, what you found is that it's, it's, it's allowed people who are innovative, who've got an idea to actually enter and change the market. You know, so you know, if, you, if, you, if you've ever heard the story of Starling Bank, you know, how an individual lady really who was in the, in the corporate sector came in and really uh, completely sort of challenged the whole market and uh, really looked at the whole, the whole uh, you know, element of uh, the market and really disrupted that, that, that element. So disruption is a big thing in some aspects of it and that word is is there to really re-look really at our, our traditional way of, of thinking and what you find is that technology is you know there's an element of digitalization so people look at you know what can they digitalize uh, you know we used to have paperless offices but it's much more than that it's about becoming mean becoming more efficient being able to do more uh, quicker you know responsive service it's all of those sort of things that, that come in. Uh, in in our business it's, it's, it's looking at that you know, it's, it's also looking at how we collaborate uh, how we sort of check on things how do we you know how do we ensure the fact that you know we, we the 
the individuals are able to do more valued work as opposed to, you know, into the admin office, photocopying, filing and so forth things. Those have very little value now in, in, in that you can sort of delegate that or outsource that or, you know, try and eliminate that really within the business. You've illustrated, haven't you, the way in which technology has helped the region change, you know, from a from a, a, manufa- a heavy manufacturing um, area into, you know, professional services and that kind of thing. Um, in, in your business, well, in your businesses, you've got, um, you know, the domiciliary care and you've got the um, pathway training business. To what extent do you use technology now? D- different ways, really. I mean, so we, we, we've got a uh, we've got an app that we use in terms of the care workers. So before, you know, we uh, care workers were given uh, rosters uh, printed off, timesheets. They would have to go out and get them signed. Uh, now, all that's an app. You know, it's about electronic monitoring. You know, you go in there, you just click on, click to say that you're there. You know exactly how long they've been there. You can sort of click on the button in terms of what calls you've done. Um, you know, I've t- done the medication and medication and so forth. So we're getting information in real time. So we're now finding out that if a medication is missed, we don't need the care worker to phone in. That's just real time information. We know exactly where we are. And it's, really, it's understanding uh, at the moment and making decisions at the moment based on that information. So your decision making is quicker. We're able to then safeguard individuals. We're able to sort of respond a lot quicker. And, and all of a sudden, what you're finding is that your whole customer experience, customer service, is, is a lot there but people are now expecting this so it's become norm now so if you're not in a position to do this people then are unhappy about your service uh, if you if there's any delays in terms of responding you know sometimes when people are responding in an email what we're also finding is that our business in terms of home care what we've got is individual carers who are going into people's homes and well you know and we're able to efficiency safe so we're able to say you know what you take this route or you take that route just like we now you know even if you're going to a, to in, into a direction that you commonly know, sometimes you might switch the navigation system on because it'll, it'll tell you what journey to avoid or you know, which, which is, and you, you know, you're shaving minutes off. There's many, many ways that it's all, it's all interlinked and, uh, in, and it's core part of our business. And we, we do it without thinking now to a certain level. Um, Richard, what brought you into science? Why did you decide to be a scientist? Excellent question. Um, when I was at school, when I was young, I was always interested in how things worked. I always had this thing from a young age, the picture of me with scientific goggles on when I was four. I was just really intrigued to see how the world worked and how things worked. And it just got me thinking, actually, how do you solve things? And, and it suited my logical kind of thing. Well, if you do this, this will happen, that will happen. So I I just found that really interesting so I really liked doing physics at school I did my degree in physics then left that to find nobody wants anybody with a degree in physics it's kind of useful if they tell you before you do your degree that when you go for a job everybody's going to say to me everybody said we don't want physicists we want electronic engineers okay I'll go and do a master's in electronic engineering which I did and then I, and then I went and did my PhD and I got to admit I did have a, a really good three years during my PhD did enjoy it got out to travel spoke in America spoke in the UK quite a few times but I was in the ground lab on my own for three years seeing neither daylight or people and started to think socks and sandals <laughs> sounds like a good combination I think you, I need to get out more often did they let you out at night yeah. you're such yeah. a gregarious person I'm just wondering if you if you were sort of making up for lost time having been locked away for, <laughs> for three years 
quite possibly. I can't. I can't hear. Seth, can you imagine Richard oh, being yeah, on his I'm own? I'm having a complex now, just sitting here. Thinking, <laughs> 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 oh god, yeah. You've never been interested in science and technology in, in terms of a career, Seth? Uh, I, I used to watch Torrance Models World. We were having a conversation earlier on, and Richard mentioned the fact that he, you know, he got on this. So I, I was. Uh, I used to watch Tomorrow's World and some of the changes there. If that counts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those people who are not of a certain age, Tomorrow's World is a programme that used to be on BBC television yeah. um, when we were children. Um, <laughs> let, yeah. let, let, let's move on now and talk about culture because mm. um, how do we compare, in your view, Richard, with... You know, those places that are associated with, you know, the cutting edge of technology and innovation, you know, places like Silicon Valley, places like China, countries like Israel. I mean, in this country, I suppose the the big technological innovative corridor is sort of around the universities, Cambridge, Oxford. Is, is that all a bit unfair and is it much more widespread than that? Because you've talked about some of the good things going on in the West Midlands. Yeah, there is a lot going on here. I know. Um, Yanis from Bowman Text did an amazing job of pulling the tech community together in the West Midlands because there is a definite thriving tech scene. Obviously, the big one in London, but I think for a lot of tech firms, Bowman's got the advantage of being in the centre of the country means it's easy to get places, but it's a lot cheaper than like having an office, renting, or, or or living in London. So I think there's lots of advantages there. It's interesting as well if you look at you mentioned Silicon Valley. They've obviously got lots of things going on. You've got Facebook. You've got all of that. But I do know we've had several unicorns from the UK mm. so we are producing them and I think we just need to kind of do that is, is kind of incubate our businesses get them going and I think from the adoption of technology we have the amazing manufacturing technology mm. centre in Coventry mm. and, and that is an amazing place to go and have a look around I went and had a look at that they're doing stuff like 3D printing car engines mm. which is awesome but they've also got a thing they call that factory in a box put in a broken mobile phone I think it was a Nokia one mm. and it goes around and it automatically takes it apart, fixes it, finds what's wrong with it, fixes it, and comes out the other end. So you got you call that a factory in a box. You've got some amazing solutions that are going on around there. And I think we have a potential for being doing a lot of, of tech bridges set. Um, the universities will help drive that. I think mm. Birmingham Tech will help drive that. Tech Nation, Naomi's doing a fantastic job with Tech Nation, bringing those people together. Because mm. I think people tend to work best in like the communities, mm. like whether that's through Innovation Birmingham, they, they've got some amazing mm. offices there mm. where people can meet. They do Tech Wednesday mm. on the third Wednesday of the month, it's always a good event. But I think with tech, there's so many options um, to do some amazing stuff. And I was talking... So Westmoreland's Innovation Alliance, they're actually setting up a cyber arm with their mm. smart city because they think the Westmoreland's could be great for cyber security and running that. I know the UK is the only country in the world that can actually both defend themselves from a cyber attack and mm. attack other, other countries, you know, actually get, go back. So we're the only country in the world that can do both. It's got the, the potentiality of doing both those things. So I think there is some amazing stuff we could be doing in the Westmoreland's, definitely. I mean, talking about technology and you, you, Richard, sort of went into technology, got into science and technology, I guess what through people might consider to be a traditional route. Presumably you did A-levels and then you went to university and you did a degree and then you uh, did a master's. But, Saf, you're, you're a great champion and, and, and knowledgeable about the 
apprenticeship sector. And I just wondered, are there ways that people can get into science and technology through the apprenticeship room? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got now cyber qualifications, uh, you've got digital qualifications, marketing qualifications. So when you look at you know technology per se, the market in terms of it's, it's, it's not just about IT hardware and IT software. It's, there's so many different things and, and so many niches within that. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I'm really, really sort of uh, impressed with in terms of Richard is the innovation awards that they, 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 they're currently doing, again, highlighting the, the innovation that's out there. Um, you know, we're very good at in terms of actually coming up with ideas, uh, patenting those ideas and, and, and trademarking, uh, you know, sort of you know, from a marketing perspective. But, you know, sometimes it's about having that team around you to exploit and really scale up those, the, that element of it. So, you know, I think the ideas we're not short of. It's the implementation sometimes that, that, that we've heard. But unless you're in that sector, unless you're living or breathing it, you, you're not necessarily exposed to all the good stuff that's out there. You know, we keep hearing the same thing again from in terms of, uh, in terms of the news that there's a shortage of labor, you know, there's not enough hospitality staff, not enough care staff, not enough uh, HEV guys. But there's a shortage of uh, real engineers, a real shortage in terms of you know the things that add value. JCB is a big supporter of apprenticeships, are continuously supporting year on year. You know, British Aerospace have now made an announcement in terms of uh, the apprentices that they're going to do. There's a lot of good stuff out there, you know. So if you're attuned to it, you'll see, you'll start seeing more of that. But what happens is that like, sometimes we're our circles or, you know, it's the, the, the news isn't there or, you know, what we get in terms of news, you know, isn't necessarily the thing that we're talking about in terms of the opportunities. Richard, what do you think about the apprenticeship route into technology? I think it's an excellent, I think it's brilliant. I think the idea that everybody should go to university is people need to look at apprenticeships because I think it's a very good way of getting something practical, getting hands-on. We really, really need more people doing them as well. I I know from universities there's 3,000 law graduates for every solicitor's placement every year. So so you end up with lots of people like that, whereas manufacturing, especially advanced manufacturing, we need more apprentices in it. And I think the degree apprenticeship is brilliant as well. If you want to get a degree and have some university experience, then the degree apprenticeship is a great way to go but get paid learn you know learn on the job perfect if you had your chance again would you have considered that route presumably that wasn't available when when you although although you're very young that presumably wasn't available the apprenticeship route into it it was um, but I think I I know when I went to university I think 19% of the population did so people went to apprenticeships people went into uh, the forces people did other things as well I think if, if I was looking now I would definitely be looking to do a, a degree apprenticeship with somebody or doing apprenticeships and doing a degree afterwards yeah. because I think with the cost of how much it costs to go to university and all of that I think it now it's just looking at other routes is yeah. definitely yeah. a good idea just picking up on that I mean there's been a period where as I said you, you were the minority going to university and it's a big claim to fame to say I'm the first to go to university now it's like some people are saying well I'm the first to go into an apprenticeship in my family uh, you know government targets to say 50% of people or the population you know they want to go to university that's probably hasn't worked in our favour because what's happened is that there's you know, we're overrepresented in some aspects of it in terms of certain courses. And what you find is that then when the graduates come out, they find that, you know, if there's no job out there, it's very difficult out there. And they're having to start at the bottom rung of the uh, of the ladder and sometimes not finding the 
jobs until out there at all. So they, they might they might find a job in something completely different, where they're not utilizing their experience or their their their, their qualification. We we hear a lot, don't we? And, and you alluded to it earlier on. What I'm going to sort of talk about now, about the knowledge economy and. The, the need for people to, you know, get the skills they need to go into sort of high-tech jobs and that sort of thing. But do either of you think that's slightly overdone in this, insofar as, you know, if you look at the time we're doing this podcast, you know, there's a lot of shortages in skilled jobs, you know, HDV drivers. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to say that's not a skilled job because it is. You know, a lot of skills in care, which, which SAP is an expert in uh, so, do you think we apply the term skills perhaps a little bit too narrowly, and, and do we focus too much on what I call mind high tech? It's a really again an excellent question, Adrian. I think there is a thing there about skills are skills, and everybody does something skilled. Do you know what I mean? It's not thing, isn't it? It's like well, that is a skill. You know, that's the ability. Something you, you've done, you've repeated numerous times, and do really well. And, and I think that's often forgotten is you can't just take somebody off the street and put them in straight to something because you can't teach experience. And this is the, the skills. And I think there's a thing that we need to focus on what's needed. As you said, HCV drivers, that's a skill. We, we definitely need more of that. I, I think what we're moving into is now is where people have a career. Is There's no longer going to be the job for life. Mm. I think you're always going to have to be learning new things because yes. new things always come out, don't they? And I think there's going to be a thing of going, well, what I'm doing now might be in 10 years time doing something very different now obviously i've moved because i've kind of went well i fancy trying this doing this doing this but i think there's always going to be that challenge to stay on top of things but comes down to transferable skills doesn't it as well because we all have skills that you know whether it's you know speaking or presenting or managing time or getting on with people communication time management these are all transferable skills that will go from a job to another job I mean, there's a time when people used to go to university to prove to an employer the fact that they've got the ability to learn and develop themselves. That was one of the aims as well. It wasn't just about, you know, knowledge from a university. It was about the ability that you can absorb knowledge, you can learn skills, and you can adapt and you're in a position where you've demonstrated that. And that was, I said, how degrees have been sold many times to to individuals to say, that's how you demonstrate that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got to stay relevant. We've got to stay current and, and we've got to be in a position where you know we can learn new things um technology is part of that being you know even to a certain level you know apps and various other things and tools you know um you know talking from my personal perspective i wasn't an avid fan of skype or zoom or any of this online thing now you know that's part of our day day to day even in terms of you know uh, diary management you know basic things like using outlook for calendar management i was a very much traditionally you know a notebook guy you know to the diary management and this is now how we do things and, and having, you know, even simple things like having emails on your phone and on all these sort of devices that we have in terms of management, workflow management, it's just, just how things are. Uh, so, yeah, you know, in terms of skills, there's, you know, we talk about knowledge and skills and behavior. I mean, the, you know, behavior is something that, you know, we, 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 we still look at, you know, in terms of the mindset of the individuals. Are they teachable? Are they coachable? Are, are those individuals wanting to grow? Are they green to grow? And then you look at, you know, what skills do they, what's the starting point? And then really develop those, uh, you know, and, and that's that's how we, t- we tend to say, uh, to look at things. Um, it's, it's, it, I really like that. I really like that. 
I talk a lot to graduates and I always talk about success and said, you need to know what to do. You need to know how to do it. So, so you've got that. University gives you a lot of that. So this is, this is what, where I do. This is, yeah. and, and, and how to do it. The thing they tend to forget and I often really stress with graduates is, but it's all about you, isn't it? Because it's you doing it. So you might have a brilliant idea, but if you struggle to get out of bed in the morning, <laughs> even though you know exactly how to do things, it's not going to work. Yeah. So I think there's a thing there about having that mindset of being always open to growth, learning new things, trying new things. But, and I think people sometimes you just have to think, right, get self-confidence, go and get motivated and kind of get going and, and apply some of this stuff. Because yeah. pretty much you could teach anybody pretty much anything, but they've got to be open to learning, don't they? And taking the opportunities. And, and more and more people now need to take a bit more ownership over their own learning as well. You know, not necessarily just rely on, you know, uh, the, the employer, but also be in a position where you can develop skills and you can learn. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, we you know we often talk about possibly learning at 11 o'clock, applying at 12 o'clock. We do it in our lives. So if somebody, you know, if you're doing DIY or something and, you know, you want to apply something, you'll go to YouTube and you learn, you learn from there and you'll apply it. And, you know, that happens in work. I mean, I said it earlier on, you know, in, 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 one of, in our previous podcast, the fact that from a networking perspective, you know, how to do uh, elevator pitch, you know, you can learn, you know, YouTube is, is a tool, you can learn that and you can apply that. Um, you know, you, you you look at your own sort of learning styles. If it's audio books, if it's it's not, you know, if it's the YouTube videos, if it's learning by watching others. There's there's so many different ways of doing things. Even uh, you know, going to events and on, you know, you're continuously learning from different different ways of different, you know, and and, and you know, yeah, that's, that's, I, I think as, as we kind of move towards a close, you you just raised something which I'd like to both of you to to discuss and that is you know what impact you know this covid has had on technology because for all the awful things it's done it it used to take a decade to produce a you know a vaccine and and suddenly needs must and and it's been done much more quickly there are a lot of people now that are using technology you know you look at perhaps older people who would never dream of learning how to use a computer or a tablet but because it's been the only way that they can um meet the family and see the grandkids and that they've learned how to do it to some degree for all its awfulness do you think that in a sense what we've been through in the last two years has actually been a bit of an accelerator in terms of understanding and exploiting the benefits of technology yeah i, th- I think it's had a really big impact on that i, I know it's one of the things i used to do was go around doing lots of meetings whereas now you i find i use calendly mm-hmm. which is an amazing tool so people can book into your diary you make slots free i really recommend you block some time out it's the first time yeah. i used it when it monday morning so i know i am meeting solidly from eight till six <laughs> there wasn't a lunch break there was nothing <laughs> i just got them but they set in calendly and that sends them a zoom link and then you can get in meetings far more efficiently now to be honest it I think prior to that, I would never really have thought doing a Zoom with somebody. Yeah. I'd have always said, let's meet for a coffee or let's yeah. go and have a chat. And I found with a lot of our members, it's, it's having a discovery call, like having a 30 minutes on a Zoom, that's, that's a lot easier rather than 
traveling out there traveling to your next one because 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 then it always seems to be that if you ever meet anybody your meeting always lasts an hour i don't know why that is it is but on a zoom you can do something similar about 30 minutes so i think that's definitely accelerated that i think you're exactly right adrian the fact that some people might not have used tablets computers and are now doing that and i've noticed as well with the manufacturing i think there's been a drive to how can we kind of like use technology with digitization to become more efficient and more productive I think part of that has been driven by by COVID and part by Brexit going we need shorter supply chains we need, we need to be closer to each other but we need to look at what can we do so I think it's brought a lot of challenges and I think Zoom and those types of things were, were, and Teams MST were big saviors really of, of the uh, absolutely from COVID because I think otherwise can you imagine factoring yeah. everybody do you know what I mean it's like yeah. you know, if it happened in the 80s you would have uh, it would just have been phone calls but yeah. your ears burning but are you more technically savvy because of COVID, sir? There's many tools and, and apps that I've uh, that I've used. I mean, you know, on my phone, I've got four or five apps that I that I continuously use now that I wasn't using before. Uh, work-based apps and you know, just projects and you know, getting updates in terms of where things are. Uh, there's a lot more information out there, and what I'm finding is that I'm able to fine-tune exactly what I want a lot, or a lot more quicker. Uh, you know, I've used Calendly. I've, I've got a tool which is Calendly and booked myself in for a session, and I thought that was a fantastic tool as well. And and even though I've not picked it up, but I thought it was really good uh, in terms of being able to use that. And uh, you know, it just saves the time of sending an email to somebody and saying, well, "Are you available at this time?" or "Are you not available at this time?" or getting somebody else to do it. It's just about efficiencies, and we're all about you know competitive advantage doing more for less really being better with our time and being able to give more really and then doing, being more conscious in terms of what do we do with our time and what's going to be the biggest impact for us whether that's something that you know we give time for family or we give time for other projects or other opportunities you've got more choice it's absolutely been uh change you know it's, that, that change has been i think a lifelong change for all of us really one day the technology might exist to be able to stop time moving on. But alas, that is not the case, at least at the moment. So it comes time now to thank our listeners and ask them to let us have any comments, any questions. If they like us, that's fantastic. If they choose to subscribe, that's fantastic. Also fantastic has been Dr. Richard Fallon, who's brought enormous wisdom and great insight to our conversation today. Saf, would you agree with I'm that? I'm sorry, it's left me with a bit of inferiority complex though, but uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so really appreciate your time and always good to meet with you, good to speak with you, sir. Always good to see you, Saf. Thank you very much for the invite and having me on. We, we will be back at some point in the future, technology permitting, um, but now I'm going to bring this canny conversation uh, to a close. Uh, and thank you for listening and um, for now at least, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this Canny Conversation with the Cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safras Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. Canny Conversations with the Cause are produced by Pathway Group, who have a mission to change lives through skills and work. And they do this through upskilling and reskilling individuals by getting them firstly into sustainable employment 
and tackling the talent and skills issues commonly faced by businesses. In addition to their core skills and employability business, Pathway Group also actively promote diversity, equality and inclusion and have initiated causes such as the BAME Apprentice Network, the BAME Apprenticeship Awards and the Festival of Apprenticeships.